and welcome to What Crime Is It? I am your host, Cassidy, and today we are following the crime line of the Sherry Papini abduction case from 2016. The 34-year-old mother of two vanished while on an afternoon run in Redding, California, not far from her home. The details of this case continue to baffle law enforcement and have been a source of much speculation amongst online truth seekers. I was completely transfixed by this case, by the cast of characters, by the speculation, and the amount of questions that still remain to this day. To help me unpack this mystery are my co-hosts, Anne-Marie Donahue and Crystal Scruggs, both coming to us from California. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Good to see you both. And thank you both so much for your hard work on this case. I know uh, we were talking about this and both super, all super fascinated by so many twists and turns. But what I really thought was interesting, Crystal, is that you are actually from the area or grew up not far from where Sherry was abducted. Is that right? That is correct. I was born in Redding, California. Um, my family is my mom and you know her siblings and they grew up there pretty much. And uh, I was born there and uh, Mercy Hospital, which is like the number one uh, employment <laughs> place there in Reading. Um, and I lived there probably, I mean, the first couple of years of my life, you know what I mean? It wasn't really, I didn't grow, grow up there. I moved to the Bay Area, but our ties are still there. I have an aunt right. uncle that still live there. And you had uh, an interesting insight on the case because of that, because there were some sort of things about the area itself that were sort of questionable when it came to Sherry's background. And you were saying that you were going to do a little bit of digging about that by calling cousins. I mean, you had this interesting right. sort of ability to call people who live call there and find out what right. they thought about the case. And right. So yeah. Tell Absolutely. us. So, um, well, to that point, my uncle and aunt, they, they live in Reading. Um, grew up there, you know, everything. So they have, you know, long ties there. Um, you know, and I, I talked to my uncle about it, you know, and just said, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to, you know, discuss this. You know, I remembered it very well when you brought it up and I was like, oh yeah, I remember this because the woman was, um, not only from where I was born and my, you know, family was raised, she was found literally like right near where I live in Yolo County, which is literally like, 10, not even, not even 10, Yellow County line is five minutes up the street, you know, wow. I work in Davis, which is Yellow County. Wow. So she was found really close, you know, so it was really like, oh my goodness, all these connections, you know, and I talked to my uncle and, you know, everybody has their, their own um, thoughts and, you know, their own actually solutions. And even though there is no real um, resolution, you know, the locals, my uncle said, they have their own thing kind of going on with it. And, um, I know we'll later talk about the case. I could talk a little bit more about his thoughts on that when we get down to that. But right. um, there is a lot of speculation from the locals because of um, the situation, you know, how it went down, like where she was. And, you know, being a local and being from around that area, you know, the areas, you know, you can kind of be like, well, wait a minute, you know, right. was, um, something happened down the street from your house and you're like, yeah people had said not to interrupt you but people had said even as i was researching the case there were lots of neighbors that said things like if she was there i would have seen her there or if she was if she's you know if what happened you know if what she said happened happened somebody would have noticed because of x y and z so yeah to your point i did see a lot of that from the neighbors in the news and stuff interesting yeah and that's exactly what my uncle said that's the first thing he said that's the first thing he said, you guys. He was like, you know, the locals, us locals, you know, we just, just where they said it was happening. He said it was, it's open. You know, it's nothing where you can be hiding around. You know, again, we're kind of, you know, jumping into it, but there was a lot of speculation just from that fact, you know, right. and then the players that become involved, you know, which we'll talk about later, but, you know, um, it, 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 there's, it's just so much room because there's just no resolution and they really have done any, nothing for the last four years on it, you right. know? And so, um, and, and all the locals or anybody really knows is what you hear from the inside, right? It's a small town. Reading is very small. Okay. Yeah. It's really small. It's very, you know, connected. I know they were in a, like a, a small, like suburb area of it, but as of like 2019, there was maybe 90, 92,000 people total, you know, that lived around there. And then right. they're little where Sherry and, you know, her husband, everything, they lived in this mountain, mountain gate, mountain gate. Yes. Mountain people, you know what I mean? So it's really not as populated, you know, so. And his family lived there. I mean, he grew Absolutely. up in that house that they were living in. So people knew the families. I mean, this was, oh, the, yeah. they went to the same yeah. high school. So what did you find out about Sherry? 
Okay, so Sherry, found a little bit about her, about her background. You know, Sherry was born June 11, 1992. Gemini, so that might play a role for some people. And, you know, oh, yeah. I just want to say, I'll throw that in there. That's say. very interesting. I have some thoughts about Gemini's, but, you know. Me too, me um, too. So, what you know, from everything that I've read and, you know, been trying to find out, you know, they're growing up, she seemed very close. You know, the family seemed very close-knit, um, fairly normal, you know, nothing out of the ordinary when you're looking on the surface, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. She was totally a good student, um, good grades, you know, um, played sports, you know, all of these things, you know, it, it just seems like this small town, fairy tale type of life. Right. Um, she, sheltered, maybe even a little sheltered. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. I mean, and, and being a small town, you, I mean, you, you're, you're isolated, really. Mm-hmm. You know, Shasta County, it's huge, but it's, you know, you're isolated and you don't, you don't go outside of that. You don't go outside of that. You sure. know what I mean? The demographic is 90% white. Oh, probably eight to 9% Latina. Okay. Um, 1% African-American. And what's the crime like, like in general? Is it sort of a safe community? Well, Reading is, it's like a meth and heroin really? town base. Really? So the crime rate or anything crime related is most mostly around drugs. Okay. And it's the meth capital, dude, like, and really? heroin is huge. It started growing in like 2015. So that huh. is mainly, they have a huge problem because it's not, you know, there was a boom, like when it was first, you know, incorporated, there was a boom, the lumber industry boomed it, you know, they, they, in, um, they annexed and connected with another town. So, it, you know, brought a little bit more things going on. Retail came in. So it was booming for a while, but then lumber, lumber industry went down, you know, things started falling off. Um, right. The town's, you know, a little depressed, right? Got like a you. depressive type of state. So, and small. So what, you know, we all know small towns and it, they, they cook math, girl. They cook math. Well, you know yeah. I mean? And you know, you know what it is. It's like, they need, they need a, they need, it's almost like they're looking for something like a distraction. And, and, and these, it's a lot of times these little towns where the people get yeah. into trouble because there's yes. not, there's nothing to do except That's for drink true. or do drugs and party. And like you said, start getting into the drug, tr- you know, cooking. Cause there's also very private communities too, right? Correct. So you can get away with it. No one's really checking on you like they right. would in a more major city. Interesting. Right. And, you know, and, and being tight knit and things, they're not going to let things really come outside of that, that town, right. you know, and I was speaking with my uncle again and, you know, he referenced about, you know, he's like, this one, there's this one, one location bar, like where near the woman lived. He was like, yeah, I would have to drive home a different way. Cause there's no way I was passing it and not stopping at this local bar. You know what I mean? Like All it's right. just, they were connected in that way. You know okay. what I mean? That's just what it was. And so, you know, things got out of hand. People, that's a way for people to make money as well. Right. right? And was there any talk about her being involved with anything like that? Was she ever into drugs? Absolutely. Okay. So in, you know, I found a little bit about it because I was like, you know, it just seems such a, you know, interesting, you know, story. Right. And I right away see all type of, you know, just holes and not things really making sense. But, um, as I was researching more a little bit about it, you know, like again, she's a spiritual town, et cetera. She, um, however, I did find that Sherry um, has had a drug problem from mm. young age, prescription oh. pills, and nothing corroborated with respect to um, like meth or anything like hard like that. However, in her past, she's had the opioid issues. Okay, mm-hmm. she has problems with her mental health mm-hmm. uh, because of the drugs. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Or it could right. be that she just has that, versa, right? right? Exactly, um, and. She was, um, I think from what I'm reading and if, if it's, it's a true thing and, you know, it's, it's going on her, her family try to protect her. I, okay. I see that now. Right. right. Um, but she broke into her family's home. She would break in. She was thief, larceny, all types of stealing, um, busted in, kicked in the back door of her sister's home. Oh my stole God. Stuff, stole stuff from her dad was in her mom's home. Um, apparently harming herself and blaming it on her mother. <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? Just a little bit of wow. kind of wacky behavior. And then I go on to read a little bit more, like people who, you know, went to school with her. So then, you know, stuff starts coming out, right? Like you have this fairytale, this blonde, blue-eyed chick, right? The epitome of America, yeah, right? Yeah, people totally. are very swayed by that, which is very oh, interesting. Right. Me, and again, people are very swayed by this. That's one course. reason I think people don't believe 
that yeah. this girl would go off and lie like this. However, her background kind of indicates it's a strong possibility that that, you know, something right. was going on other than what we were told and which we weren't told a whole lot. So that's no, we weren't. We weren't. And, and so mm-hmm. to stop you there, it's interesting because I read a little bit, too, about how her parents at times had to call the police on her and that she, they accused her of stealing, that they didn't necessarily um, end up pressing charges all the way Correct. or, you know, or, or they protected her in the end. I think that they probably wanted to try to teach her a lesson. I mean, who knows? I'm yeah. not in their head, but you imagine that a parent maybe doesn't intend to put their child in jail, wants them to understand that their behavior, there's consequences for their behavior. They will call the police. They, if at the very least scare them or embarrass them. Yeah. That's it's their wits in, you know, these parents. Of course. No, you can't blame them. They never pressed any charges. Right. So there is something in that. There also is the fact that, you know, out there speculating, she was, she'd been to rehab. So she'd been having these problems with drugs for many, many years. Again, mm-hmm. the prescription drugs. And this is you guys coming from apparently a family member of hers okay. and Keith's. Mm-hmm. Remain anonymous. Yeah. Now, you know, all these boards and things and they supposedly family members or anybody close to somebody that they're discussing is supposed to be vetted. Like, okay, you know, you got to go through this. Are right. you really real? You know, all the sure. things. But this come, I got two different things. This person is supposedly verified family member. And then I heard from another source that's, quasi verified but anyway this person went on to say that you know sherry has always had problems with drugs and her mental health mm. she did all of these things that you know there are police reports about it however no press charges were, you know press stole money from her daddy's account you right. know all of this stuff online selling bags and shit for one dollar yeah <laughs> this she, is crackhead behavior do you, you hear know, money yeah, and I yeah, say crackhead and, loosely no but, and you know, somebody and somebody right. who and somebody who obviously is, um, you know, listen, sometimes it's like, yeah, you're addicted to drugs, but sometimes you're you're addicted to um, excitement, drama, yeah. being bad, you know, Absolutely. whatever, like just just getting into stuff. If you feel like you, you need fail. some sort of stimuli, you need exactly. to be distracted from sort of the boredom of your life. Sometimes that's the addiction, too. You know, yep. I also heard that she had a eating disorder. Did you read about that? That she but was. You incorrect? know what? Yes, I did. I read about that. She reading disorder. I mean, she's very, very you know, thin. very slim, very, very yeah. thin, yeah. like already very small, you know, young woman. Yes. Um, and I think that, but that I think again goes along with her, her issues. She's got, you know, mentally issues and then the drugs that she was taking, you know yeah. what I mean? Who, if she was on these, you know, opioids or, or speed and then apparently, okay, let me go back to the, the drug use she was, you know, getting help. Her parents, they put her in rehab, I'm sure, a few times, right? Especially kicking indoors and shit. They never, they never pressed full charges. They took care of it, right? Did they ever so, discuss where she went? Was that ever um, documented anywhere or just that no. she was put away? Got you. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't find anything, you know, more concrete on that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the family said that, you know, they put, she went to the hospital. So basically right. that's read that rehab. Okay. Like detox so, or some sort of mental yes, health, something. Absolutely. Right. You know, I mean, the girl was down deep because she you they're kicking indoors and stuff. You know what I mean? She she had stuff going on. So she had that. Apparently she was clean as of 2014. Okay. okay. Two years before this stuff happened. So when the incident happened, the family member said they thought she backslid and she right. was on something else. And this is what was going on. And she got connected with some wrong people. Again, we'll talk about that, I know, further. That's what I'm starting to think as well. She married someone else. How'd um, she meet so, him? Um, she met him, I, you know what? I think he was a local as well. I, they, they didn't even say, they kind of just say the man, they say, you know, David Dreyfus. They don't, right. you know, they say they, they were um, connected in some way and it doesn't specify, you right. know, so I wonder. Right. Like, yeah. So 20, 2006 in January, they filed for marriage license. June of that same year, they were married. She would have been so, very young at that point. Right. How old yeah, was she in she 2006? Was, she was, uh, what, 20, 24, probably around something like that. If yeah, she was 34 young. when she went missing in, in 2016, right. yeah, so she was then she would have been 24. Almost 20, well, she got married in June of 2016. So she was 24. I don't know if she was married before her birthday or after, got but you. it was June. So she okay. was either 23 or 24 when she got married to David. Okay. Apparently the, the, the marriage didn't work out. You know, it was problems soon after they separated her and David. Where I'm stopping is that they were divorced um, pretty quickly afterwards, she was with, um, you know, Keith and, um, 
and then we leave it from there. And that's right. 2000, what, six, seven, I think seven, she was already yeah. done. Right. So, and I'll pick that up so though. Very interesting. And we will, Annie, Annie's going to pick up the story there, but I have a couple of things. Um, it's interesting because, you know, I sort of, you know, I was really obsessed with this case when this case happened, because again, like anybody else, you know, I'm a young blonde girl who goes running and I lived in California, right at the time. So it was like, you know, any young girl who goes running, whether you're blonde or not, but like when you see somebody that like, not looks like me, but is sort of your age and, 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 you know, you guys are like kind of in the same area and it's the same lifestyle. And I can't tell you the amount of times that I've thought to myself, gosh, you know, you go hiking or you go running or you go bike riding or you go in the, we'd say walk your dog. And I've always been very kind of conscious about where I'm going because you do hear about these stories and, and you are a single woman on your own. So every time one of these stories would happen, I would be transfixed by that because, again was a young woman you know walking outside and she vanishes and she's not the first you know and she's certainly it's it happens to people of all ages all sexes all races all everything and and you know like you said she's blonde she was pretty and of course the news is particularly hopefully it's changing a little now but it's, it's even in 2016 they still love to focus on you know the bar the barbie doll you know sort of right because the whole country gets right and the whole country gets interested in that but I always sort of um, was fascinated because, again, like she was doing this sort of activity that uh, that many of us do in California. Very common to see a young woman by herself running, hiking, being alone on a bicycle. There's another one right now, this uh, Suzanne Morphew, who's now gone missing, who went bike riding. Right. So you, you hear about it. You yeah. constantly hear about it. The girl on Long Island will cover that story, too. There are a million thousand trillion ones that we can cite so there were a couple of women also around that time right that went absolutely. missing. we'll talk about that right later. and we'll That's talk about that end. but so there's yeah, right. and we'll get into that but but what's interesting about her is that you know there's all of this sort of um like you said there is a first impression that you get when you see this blue-eyed beautiful woman with these two gorgeous children and this you know husband who's very handsome and obviously very much in love with her she's got a nice house and they live in northern california and now she's missing and you start to think to yourself well that's terrible what a tragedy and then you start to realize that just because she, something looks a certain way on the outside doesn't mean that her life has been perfect, that it's been without issues, that there isn't something else to maybe look into. I'm certainly not blaming her for a crime that was perpetrated against her. All I'm trying to say is that, you know, I think that we automatically assume something about somebody by looking at them and just make, you know, well, they're this thing, so they must've been doing that. And it's like, or she looks like this, so she couldn't have been doing that. And so the more that you sort of find out about her background, you realize that this young girl had issues. She had emotional issues. She had, she had mental issues. And who knows? Sometimes, you know, my, I have family that is in, um, that worked that for many years worked in the recovery field and talked a lot about how a lot of times alcohol abuse and drug use it's because you're trying to medicate something that's going on with you that you start to sort of abuse these these substances and then it turns into an addiction and it further exacerbates your mental issues, right? Sometimes it's not that, oh, you did drugs and that's why you have mental issues. Sometimes it's that you were suffering and you were trying to self-medicate and you were trying to just feel better and then before you know it. So, you know, there could have been things going on. See, I told you my dogs are barking. Okay. You hear them? They could have been, Barely. it could have easily been um, the whole time there could have been something going on with her. And I think, unfortunately, parents don't know how to deal with it. You know, it's, you know, your, your child is acting out. They're having all of these problems. You want to, you want to help them, but at the same time, you know, you want it to go away. And I'm sorry. It's, I find it very difficult to believe unless she had some kind of crazy spiritual awakening that, she completely was a different person by the time this thing happened in 2016. That her that she wasn't that she wasn't the same girl, you know. And that and the only thing that I will say, and then we'll move on to Annie, is and I'll mention it in my section when we talk about a little bit more about the crime. But I did notice a news. Um, there's a bunch of news, you know, things that you can find stories and also video, you know, ABC, whatever. But there was a particular news clip where. Sherry's sister and Keith's sister were together 
being interviewed when they were doing the vigil for her, when they were releasing balloons or they were doing like a candlelight vigil in the town and they interviewed the two of them and it was just a clip. And it was the newscaster sort of saying, you know, what would you say to Sherry right now? Like if she was watching and the sister just said, we just want, you know, we just want you to be safe. We just want you to, you know, be, come home. We want you to know that we're, we're looking for you, whatever she said. And Keith's sister if you look at her, and I'm going to put the link to this below. Oh, yeah. so people can yeah, find yeah. Keith's sister looks like that effing B. effing B. And I'm telling you, it's all in her face. And I'm not trying to put words in her mouth, but I'm telling you, the, the sister is like, please, I'm so worried about you. And the sister-in-law is like, mm, and they go, what about you? She goes, we just want her to be safe. Yeah. yeah. Total straight face too. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That was a big, that was a big one for me. That was like, oh, and something I may not have noticed back then when it happened, right? right? But now you go, oh, look at her face. Now I see it. And Annie, about Keith in particular, um, you know, the first time around on this thing, you know, I wondered if he wasn't necessarily maybe in on everything that sort of was happening. There was a lot of, you know, of course, conspiracy, conspiracy, conspiracy. But once you start looking at things with a little bit more of a discerning eye and you're trying to remain, you know, not um, super emotional about the story, but just, you know, try to get the facts. I really started to see somebody who was very much in love with Sherry and actually maybe knew that she, maybe what I was seeing was not necessarily somebody who was in on a scheme, but maybe deep down knew that she had issues and could possibly have been involved in some way of her own disappearance, not intentionally, but just some way. Maybe that's what I was seeing, but he yeah. was. But based on everything that I've recently rewatched and read, yeah. he seemed very much in love with her. Is that what okay. you got in your research? That's what I got. That, that's my gut instinct. I, I, I'm titling it like the hopeless romantic. Um, it's how I'm reading Keith a little bit, which when mm-hmm. I'll talk about his background. But you know, he he has a na- naivete about him, and even some of the neighbors were saying like this man was coming around asking us about his wife, like as if she was the only woman alive. Right. And, they, and they over and over again, like the sister, the sister-in-law, like he treated her like a queen. Mm. Now with, you know, naivete comes a bit of denial. So I yeah. think, you know, he probably, he probably did like, she's so deep in, I'm not sure how to handle it. Yeah. I'm going to do this drug with her, that Kratom. This, it was somewhat verified on Reddit, you know, verified user. So they both did this Kratom. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Yeah. People say Kratom or they say Kratom. I believe it's Kratom is the, is the, is the way to say it. And it's an herb. It's an herb. Yeah. And then you can make it into, um, an opioid, like very addictive substance. Mm. So that's that's my impression. Well, should we talk about Keith now? Oh yeah. Go for it. So, yeah, yeah. so Keith Papini, so he has, he it looks like he was, wasn't born in um, California. I think he was born in Colorado. So oh. it says his older sister was born in Boulder to mm-hmm. Kenneth and Pam. Those were her, his parents. He has an older sister, Suzanne, who we'll talk about. She's two years older. Okay. And then from what I read, it looked like he moved to Shasta Lake, California, Shasta County, when he was like five in the house that he grew up in. And so I was reading about, same thing, the population of Shasta Lake, which is, when they say Mountain Gate community, it's actually, he's in Shasta Lake. It's right there. Idyllic yeah. Lake, you know, you rent boats, you sit by the water. So so Kenneth, it said like when they bought the house in 2017, you know, from Kenneth Papini, it says Kenneth Papini and his ex-wife Kathleen. So okay. I tried to dig deeper, but it looked like perhaps he remarried again. Mm-hmm. It looked okay. like he was, they lived in Colorado, they moved to California. i I couldn't find much on the mother Pam, but I'm going to assume she lives in Colorado just from the little deep diving that I did. Mm -hmm. Um, But I looked up Shasta Lake too, you know, population 10,000, 10,240, same racial makeup, about 87%, 90%, uh, 4.8, it's out here, 4.4 Native American, 6.8 Latino, you know, 0.72 African American, median income in Shasta Lake is 26,000. Two seventy five. So, oh wow! So not yeah. not a wealthy community. No, no, no. It's definitely right. no, no, no. It, no it, I think know, you I'm always gonna... assume Northern California people have so much money because oh. you know about San Francisco, but you forget. Once you go in, I feel like once you go in there. Oh yeah. Let me say something about what before Reading was even named Reading. It used to be called Poverty Flats. Okay. So before it came in and was had any type of 
you know, lucrative aspect to it, it was, it's, it's, it was poor. It's, you know, in okay. Poverty flat, you said? Poverty, Poverty flat? flat. Wow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and so their house is really kind of off the main road, as you know, because we was talking about the crime, but a, a humble home, to, you know, two-story house, and it's the house that he grew up in, and so, and he, by the way, he got his associate's degree at Shasta, I think it's Shasta Community College, okay. in administration of justice, what wow. his degree in, however, he has been working at Best Buy since 2005, Okay, um, so that's like when he was like about 22, so Keith is a year younger than um sherry so they were actually in different grades when they met in middle school which we'll get to so he's actually during the time of the crime he was 33 and she was 34 okay so they met when he um was in seventh grade and she was actually in eighth grade and they apparently shared this kick yes they shared this kiss and i'm sure they were friendly before but the big deal is they wrote she wrote notes to him as an eighth grader to a seventh grader yeah. And I don't wow. know what the notes say. However, in ABC, uh, the ABC 2020, you know, they talk about it. And so, mm-hmm. so they meet up. So Keith, yeah. So Keith starts, you know, he, they go to different high schools. He goes to a different community college. She, it sounds like she um, leaves town for a little bit and does some other things according to her blog. It could um, be, that could be when she met the new husband. Which I think so. Town. I think yeah. so. Yeah. And um, so then she runs into Keith in town uh, in 2006 and oh. they connect right away. And so he asked her out on a date. So they go out on a date. They had a great date. And the next day, Keith calls her. And then and her, according to her blog that she wrote, she said, I asked him out on the second date. And get this. She's like, I, I, had, I wanted to make it a surprise for him. So she went down to the docks, Shasta Lake, because there's all these docks. And she had a candlelit dinner. Oh, my God. Ready for him. Date two, guys. Day two. And he um, shows up with the box of notes that she wrote him. Oh my God. But wait, was she she married? But was she married? Yeah, she was still married or separated. She was separated. She was married. The crossover happens. Okay, but she was, was was she living with him or were they? It sounded like she had her own apartment. She said she okay. had her own apartment in, um, I wrote down the street, but she has this little apartment in the town that she lived, a townhouse, excuse me. I think it was called Duluth Circle. I always, I always am so, um, I, got, got I mean, notes. I mean, this is so judgy. And I, I mean, listen, yeah, like, no, I mean, I'm, I'm always so judgy, but here's the thing. It's so quick. Like some women are so quick to just really like jump right back into something. Like the fact that she's so quick she needs to be connected with a man. She needs to be married or hooked up or have a boyfriend or whatever. It's like, she's, you know, the ink isn't even dry on her divorce. It hasn't even started, you know, and I know. And I just feel like she's already kind of like getting very romantic and very serious right away with somebody else. I just find that, you know, all of these little things to just sort of add to her profile, as far as I'm concerned, sort of where her mind is at, you know? Yeah. I, I would say typical, addictive behavior in the sense right. yeah. I mean it really is it's kind of textbook so really is so, so Hopeless Romantic shows up with notes now if I were to meet you know run into a guy from grade school and he presented me with notes that I wrote him I'd be a little freaked out but some people love such that. as these two folks love it she loved it she loved it she was like it was so cool we kept these notes date three she was like we were together every day ever since and they move in so she has this little townhouse she lives in that he moves in with her Wow. They live there together for two years before they move back to his childhood home. Okay. So they live in this little townhouse, you know, 2006, 2000, I mean, pretty soon, you know, 2007. And mm. then he, um, okay. So her birthday is, you know, is very important to her, right? She loves her birthday. She loves to be adored. So very he, actually, well, that's what I'm seeing. That's anybody because anybody that, right. So the idea that she would, this is so interesting, right? Cause the idea that she would like love the fact that he kept mm-hmm. those notes for so that's long to me, right away. I thought to myself, Oh, somebody who needs to be adored. And then you just said that, but then also, right. I go missing and everybody freaks out and is so worried, right? That's the other sort of like profile of somebody like that. Yeah, wow. classic narcissist, in my opinion. Wow. I mean, there's no judgment out there, but I, I feel again, my no, I get that. it. 
Interesting though. Interesting. So they move in together like quite quickly within like three months or something of meeting. They move in together. Then, so 2008, her birthday, it's again, June. Is that what you said? June? Yeah. June. Right. So he has a big birthday weekend planned for her in Las Vegas where his mother comes and then they meet her family who lives in Vegas they go to Cirque du Soleil. It's wonderful. She's like, it was the most amazing um, birthday. And then they go back to Monterey Bay. So apparently Monterey Bay is also their place where they like to, uh, kind of, where their place where they go to every year. This has only been like two years, but that's where they go. Right. So he, um, <laughs> and um, so he's like, I'm going to treat you to a massage, get a massage. And then we have a wonderful dinner. I have planned in a very nice place. Right. So he picks her up, brings her to the Ritz Carlton. She's like, for him, she's just like, she is just like the ideal. Like for him, it's like, she's the dream girl and he's really just getting his dream come true. Yeah. Yeah. I I apologize. I said Monterey Bay. I meant Half Moon Bay. Half Moon Bay. Okay. okay. That's really far. You know, I was thinking. I know. I'm like, I'm like, Monterey's really, yeah. I thought that too. Yeah. Isn't that about Monterey? Half of, or am I getting my... Yeah, no, it's, it's close. I was just thinking, but I, for some reason, I was like, Monterey. Yeah, you know, but, Half Moon yeah. Bay. Half Moon Bay. Yeah. Okay. And so there is a Ritz-Carlton there. So he t- so he, they drive up, it's Ritz-Carlton. Wow. And they get reservations in like 15 minutes, but he says, wait, let's go outside. So they go outside by the water and apparently there's a gazebo. And he reads this two-page letter to her on how much he adores her. And I love, this is where I'm saying like, really he's like he really adores her and loves her i'm not saying he's like mr innocent but he really is mr naive i mean i really think he adores this woman to the 10th degree yeah it's like some guys just really feel especially if you think about this right you know she really how do i how do i say this without sounding awful like you know, you look at her and you can imagine a girl that looks like that in a small town. There aren't probably a ton of them running around, right? right? Who's like blonde, very pretty, really good skin, really like fit, thin. He might even be into that. So it's like that sort of suburban, you know, dream girl. And and for him, it's like, she's a catch and a half. He never left the area really. And like working at Best Buy, which is cool. I'm not trying to even put that down, but I'm just saying his life is you know, very sort of regular and normal. And to him, it's like, he's got this girl that he is probably any, and the fact that he kept the notes forever, he's probably been in love with I her know. this whole time. Who knows, That's right? I think he's That's been in love with her and then he ran in or he's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I think is interesting? I also was thinking as, as you were talking, Annie, you know, the fact that like, and this is another thing. So when you are married to somebody and the two of you break up, it's really interesting to me that he, that the ex was just like, I'm out. Like I'm like that. He right. That he just like never. And when they interviewed him, when this whole thing, I was like, I literally have not seen her since like I moved out of the house. Like I don't yeah. talk. And there aren't too many men right. who are like like that out of there. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like you like, like, like he, maybe he's gonna try to work it out. Maybe he hung around he, for a while. Maybe like oh well, he was a little bit of a problem in the beginning of their relationship, but eventually got the no. Like the day they broke up, she, he was like, I'm leaving the state. Yeah, and He's and actually, precious. I dodged a bullet. Like, I'm out. Yeah. And so yeah. it, it does make me wonder, like, what on earth would make a guy just totally, like, bounce the way that, so, he, that he bounced? Yeah. I know yeah. a, a good friend. He was uh, married before he met my friend. I barely ever hear of this ex-wife, same. And she was apparently crazy. And so I think that's I, all signs lead to, I think he was like, I'm out. Like, she was I, a nightmare. Yeah, and I mean, again, nobody's like fully innocent, right? So maybe this man like didn't know how to communicate. Yeah, who knows? And again, there there really isn't like specifics about. I it makes me crazy. Like I wish. Yeah, there's nothing. No, he's he's like that's the past. I don't speak to her. No reason to bring up her name. And then this thing. Yeah, that's connected. And he wasn't trying. And he wasn't trying to get her back, which is exactly all exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's no, I think so. I think because I know Mark, like even if Mark and I broke up, you know, and it was like mutual and we were, you know, I know that if I started seeing, listen, his ex started seeing somebody right away after they broke up and he broke up with his ex and really never wanted her back not to put her down either. Like, it, you know, things happen between people. Yeah, he was, right. It was like they were moving on. Like that was it. Right. But he was hurt like that she moved on so quickly, even though yeah. he didn't want her back. Yeah. And there's no sign of that with this guy 
whatsoever. Yeah. Like that there was even yeah. like a comment about the fact that she had moved on so quickly. No, no one says anything about that, which really leads me to believe that he was like, good, put your yeah. attentions elsewhere. Yeah. So much. And it's nice. I mean, this simple, naive man, she got the best. And they kind of look similar. Little Ken and Barbie, when you look at the engagement totally. photo. She's gorgeous. And they try to make that I little mean, fairy tale. Yeah, sometimes, you know, couples, they, they, sometimes they look alike. And in this situation, I would they say do. they look, they look yeah, similar. Like, similar. Like, sometimes they you do. like your mirror. You want to look at, looking at that. I'm yeah. just saying. For and a minute, just I'm everyone fine. look up. Maybe we should put, you know, their photos. You can look at their facing <laughs> photos. I mean, they're they're quite lovely. You know, they said, "Oh my God, it looks like you know." Ken and Barbie, it does. Ken and Barbie, and like even like a Vanity Fair layout. You know, or, I, yeah. just, I don't buy that shit though. Any no. pictures? I don't buy stuff like that. No, no. and no, we, you know, the thing, but the other thing about that too, showing are those pictures of them. We know that's not all the pictures y'all know. Yes. Oh, but I don't know. Oh, you guys, that. anytime that I ever see a photograph of her in particular, there's a little bit of like a faraway look in her eyes. Yeah. It's not, there's not a lot, but you know, sometimes that's just somebody's personality, but like, you know, in light of all of the information, I've always kind of, always, even, even back when I didn't know anything about this case and just knew a woman was missing. I remember thinking, there's just something kind of vapid about this person and a little bit far away and a little bit like not being honest. There's a little bit of dishonesty here and I'm not sure what yeah. it is. I mean, yeah. listen, you know, especially when you start, you start to think about the fact that like, you know, this is a guy who's going to take care of her. This is a guy who is going to like move heaven and earth for her. I'm sure yeah. that that was a tr an attractive, you know, uh, proposition. I also think that like, you know, he's a good looking guy. He's a nice guy. He's going mm -hmm. to take care of her. And and, you know, he he looks good with her on his arm and sort of, you know, vice versa. But I think I really just think in the end, you know, she's just looking kind of for a place to land. And she knows that he's going to really take care of her. And like there's probably nothing that she can do that's going to make him leave, which he's already proven to yeah. be true. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, I she yeah. gets kind of hip to that probably after a while. It's like by the time you're on your second marriage, you start to realize like did, I need somebody who's <laughs> going to like like just absolutely adore me because I need to know you're never going to leave. I need to know that no matter what happens, yeah. no matter what I do, whatever I say, that you're going to be by my side. Like you're not going to – and I can kind of get away because that's the other thing too, right? It's easy to – it's easy to get away with stuff when somebody's just looking at you through rose colored glasses. You know, she probably could do a lot of things that he wouldn't have any idea she was up to because he's yeah. not really he's that, a classic you know? enabler, which is yes. like some like her yes. niece. So she, I, I mean, I feel, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she met this way. The girl ain't stupid. You know yeah. what I mean? What comes, what comes with the narcissist, sick of personality. She's a little bit of a predator. Yeah. Yeah. And that was her prey and she got him and yeah. he is happy to be got. And that's, that's the and thing. And that's the thing is that he feels like he got a catch. He wasn't no. fucking yeah. around like that. So he no. was like, bye. Cause, Cause you the know, thing, crazy. The other thing too. Well, that, I say, that she, I, I think she got a little bit. Well, of, so, so maybe gone. like in her defense too, not necessarily her defense, but just one thing that I also thought about was, I come from a small town myself. I come from a town where people tend to stay in the town. They tend to raise their kids in, their t in the town and, and they marry each other. Like you marry people that you went to high school with. It's a very common thing. And it's, it's more of a sort of um, upper middle class community. And it's a lot of college. It's both. It's college educated people and also people who have made money like in trade. So like a lot of builders, construction, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, nice homes, good school system. You know, people have kids, usually two to three kids. But I remember thinking to myself, like I had met a guy that I went to high school with who wanted to go on a couple of dates and we'd known each other my whole life. And I did go on a couple of dates with him and I will always love him. He'll always be my friend. It didn't work out romantically for us. But I remember thinking to myself, there was an instant comfortability being with somebody, especially somebody like me, who's been all over the place and has dated guys from everywhere. Right. Um, there was an instant sort of comfortability with somebody who grew up in the town that I grew up in. I, I, there was nothing to be explained to, to him. Mm -hmm. He knew exactly where I came from. He knew my people. He knows my background. There was a, there was like a safety in that. And, and in some ways I can understand, like if you've dated somebody who's not from your area and then you meet somebody who is from there and he's known you your whole life, he's seeing her still as that little like eighth grade yeah. girl. Oh, like, yeah. And she probably liked the way that that felt. I can understand that for sure.
Oh yeah, I mean, she would write in her blog, like he adores me. I fall in love with him more every day. He just, he treats me like a queen basically. Right. You know, this is, and they get married in 20, 2009. So by the time this happens, they've been married for seven years. They have two kids, cute, adorable children. Tyler is four at the time and uh, Violet is two. And they and, live in, and they ended up buying the house from his parents, right? Yes, that is after the whole crime. That is the most interesting fact. The house is worth $128,000. They buy it in like April, 2017. So, so there's all this speculation. Oh, wait, but, but they were living in it. Were they, they were renting living it? in it, yes. Oh. And then they bought it outright in 2017 from the father. Interesting. From, yeah. So that's, that's interesting. <laughs> they had been living there, yes. So after the townhouse, you know, they lived there for two years. So basically two thousand like six to eight when they got engaged, you know, then they move into the house, the big house. Right. And they live there and they've always been there. And then they apparently just bought it outright, 2017, which is a whole nother conversation on the internet. So it was a Wednesday um, and the kids got dropped off at daycare. There's no, there's no real, you know, I'm sure that like any mother needs a break during the day. If she wants mm-hmm. a break a couple of times a week, you drop the kids off, you go to go get your nails done or go grocery shopping or clean your house or go visit a girlfriend, whatever, go to the gym, take a run. So for her, she took a run. She was actually training for a, um, a Thanksgiving day race. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear a lot about these turkey day races. They're very common. Yeah. And so she was training for one apparently. And about 2 p.m. she put on a pink running top and her sneakers and she went out for a run. Uh, she went with her iPhone and her earbuds and a person driving past reported seeing her wearing the pink top and jogging alone on Sunrise Drive, which was not far from her home. At about 6 p.m., Keith returned home from work. Um, he saw Sherry's car in the driveway and expected the usual sort of bum rush at the door that he gets from his kids. They go running through the door, Violet and Tyler, they will tackle, tackle him down to the ground. He called it family snuggles in his uh, mm-hmm. interview. And, and it's something that happened every single day. Uh, and so he expected that when he opened the door, except when he opened the door, uh, the house was empty. It was quiet, which was definitely unusual. He called out, um, but he got no response. He went inside, he looked around, he went up into the bedrooms and still nothing. Um, he thought maybe they're outside, you know, California day, maybe they're outside playing in the yard. Maybe they're somewhere, you know, in someplace I, I didn't notice when I pulled in. So he looked outside and still nothing. So this is where I took a pause because I found this a little bit odd and, and I had to think better of it. And it's not even necessarily trying to make him a bad guy, but he immediately um, opened up his iPhone and did a find my yeah. phone app. Yeah. And obviously, like many of us, myself included, we have family plans. You know, um, you know, Mark and I are on the same plan people who are married are on the same plan, families are on the same plan. So you have something called a find my phone and you're able to open up the app and it'll basically track whatever phone that's on your plan that you're looking for. So he immediately opened up this app. My thought was, cause he told this story himself. This is not third hand or second hand. This is, this is directly from his mouth. He immediately opened up his phone and did the find my phone. Why wouldn't you call her first? Exactly. exactly. Why wouldn't exactly. you, why wouldn't you even wait for a minute and just be like, well, maybe she'll be back in a minute. Maybe she just like That's ran to the neighbor down off. the, maybe she took a while. Immediately trying to track her. Right. Exactly. So my initial thing was, you know, Obviously, mm-hmm. he's paranoid about her or else you wouldn't do that. I also found it a little yeah. bit controlling. And frankly, with all of the information that we have about how kind of obsessed he was with her and in love with her, mm-hmm. as the subject of that, as the recipient of that, I would find it so annoying if I had a husband or a boyfriend that like needed to know where I was so badly at every moment of the day that the minute he finds I'm not home, he's going to track my phone. Like I, that would that kind of a personality, that kind of a relationship... I can imagine after a while would be grading. And who knows if she didn't feel that way after a while. Just like, God, it's like, he's just so obsessed with me. Like it's, I love him and it's so nice, but my God, it's like, give me a break. So to me, I found, I found it to be a little bit of a weird response on his part. So he does this thing. He, he does the, the find my phone. And he sees that they're down near the the mailboxes. And you had mentioned that he lived on a private road. And for those of us that grew up in the country, you know that there's a lot of these where there's a private road and maybe there's a couple of houses back there, or maybe there's just one, but the the mailboxes tend to be on the main street. And sometimes it's, you know, a walkable distance. Sometimes it's a mile away. It kind of depends on how far down that private road goes. And it turns out that his mailboxes were were coupled with other people who also lived down the private road. And it was about a mile away. So he hopped immediately 
into his car and he went down to the mailboxes thinking that he, that Sherry just went down there. Maybe they walked down there uh, together as a family to go get the mail. Um, and of course, when he got there, they were not there. So at that point, he picks up the phone again. He calls his mother and says, did you speak to Sherry today? His mother had not. Then he calls the daycare and he said, what time did my wife pick up the children? And the daycare said, they're still here. Okay. Now I know what you're thinking because you're thinking what I'm thinking. Why did the daycare not call him to begin with to say <laughs> your children yeah. you picked up at three o'clock and they're still sitting here at six? Yeah. First you. of all, like that's completely that. bizarre to me and totally not unless they were flaky about what time they picked up the kids all the time with that. The kids maybe on Monday get picked up at three and on Tuesday, sometimes they could show up at four and yeah. maybe sometimes they show up at five and maybe sometimes they show up at six. It's very unusual though, for that to be the case. And most daycares won't allow that. Too. Yeah. Most, yeah. Well, most daycares would have a set time that you come and get your child. Like there wouldn't be this sort of haphazard way of going to get your kids. So that that didn't raise any flags means one of two things. Either the daycare was negligent or they were used to Sherry being yeah, negligent. Right? Exactly. It, it can only mean one of two things. It, it, it can't mean anything else. So the fact that they didn't call, I just thought was completely bizarre. But here's the other thing that I thought was bizarre. So if he put on the Find My Phone app in the house, now he's at the mailboxes. Isn't it telling him that the phone is very close to there? Why would he then call his mother and call the daycare? Wouldn't he Before be getting finding the phone, right? Well, yeah. because the signal at this point is showing him where the phone is. And yeah, the phone right. is about 50 yards from where he's standing. Yeah. So I found that to be strange. Again, this is all from his mouth. This is not secondhand. This yeah. is all, and I'll put the link below. This is all in the Matt Gutman interview, ABC interview. He tells yeah. this story himself. So now he's looking at the phone. Obviously, the Find My Phone app has showed him where the phone is, but now he's calling his mother, according to him, and calling to daycare, according to him. This is the sequence that he did this. I don't believe this sequence. I really don't. Apparently, according to him, at this point, he gets back in his car, does another drive around, sort of probably just the periphery, whether it's like down the dirt road again. But I'm thinking to myself, when you pulled in... Wouldn't you have seen them on your way in if they were at the mailbox? Like, wouldn't you have thought to yourself, well, if they're at the mailbox, I would have seen them. I just pulled in. I just drove by there. My kids and my wife are not there. Right. I don't know. I call the phone. I, right. The or phone. like, just wait a minute. Like, why are you so quickly in a, like, quick in a panic? And why do you feel the need to control her and control the situation, control where she is and control the, like, it's just it's enabling because I think, you know, she's not a, that's it's not the an isolated thing. incident. That I, think he's, I think he's showing the signs of somebody who is paranoid, right? Yeah, so, paranoid and enable. He knows. Oh my god, my wife is like a complete wreck, and now he's paranoid. Behavior. Yes, he knows right. there's a tr paranoia means no trust. Exactly equals no trust. Exactly. That's why he's tracking her phone, you guys. That's yeah. the tracking aspect. That's he why he got it on there in the first place. The first thing he did. That's because you do that all the time because this woman be missing. Yeah, those yeah. places you don't know where she's at. Well, your yeah. your instinct yeah. isn't to think to yourself because even Scott Peterson, you know, who killed his wife, yeah. even he, when Lacey Maybe. wasn't home, waited. He's like, he told the police whether he did or he didn't, but he's like, you know, I came home, Lacey wasn't there. I waited a little bit. She wasn't back. I called her mom and I just said, hey, is Lacey over there? Is she with you? Like that was his first his first instinct wasn't to track her down or track her phone or be worried, right? That's what he said. Even Scott Peterson, who's a complete sociopath. My point is, I think that Keith's response to me was of somebody who immediately thought she took off, like immediately uh -huh. thought yeah, she's yeah, yeah. gone, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think my boyfriend wouldn't do that. My boyfriend might call he might even track my phone just because he's young and like loves technology, but he, <laughs> he wouldn't immediately be like, she's gone. Like it wouldn't, he would yeah, just he, wait till I came home. He'd try right. my phone. He'd be like, where are you at baby? Like text me and be exactly. like, are you, yeah, are you at the store or whatever? I got home from work where you guys like, but it wouldn't be this like instant, like, and then I got in the car and then I went to the mailboxes and then I drove around and then I called my mom and then I called the daycare and then I called, right. There was this automatic assumption that she was yeah. gone. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure enough, the, he comes back to the mailboxes. He drives back around and now for whatever reason notices the find my phone pinging, the find my phone thing that he had put on supposedly immediately. So I think that's very strange. He starts walking or driving toward where it says the phone is. It's very close by to the mailboxes. I don't 
it was vague. He either drove to it or he walked to it, but either way it was walkable from the mailboxes to where the phone was. And on the side of the road, he found the iPhone with her headphones, just the sort of little earbuds that we all get that come stock with the iPhone, apparently strands of her hair tangled up in the iPhone cord. Um, you know, there's stories about the way the iPhone was found, et cetera. But that is what was waiting for him right there. We're going to leave it there in terms of we're going to we're going to save the rest of it for the next episode. But um, there's a lot. And I know that we've touched on a ton of it already, but there is so much more to this case that, that happens um, after the fact. And many of you know about this story already. Um, but there's, you know, a little bit of background, a little bit of digging to do and a little bit of speculation. And with all of this time that's gone on, there's been no resolution whatsoever to what happened to this girl. There are suspects that she put forward. There are all kinds of people that came forward to help that are super interesting. And then of course there are Keith's, you know, interviews and his behaviors and the families and the things that they said, the things that they didn't say, the things that she hasn't said. And the fact that the police have not, um, have not really held her feet to the fire in terms of what happened to her, unless they know as well. The other thing too that you have to think about as well is here you go, right? He's madly in love with her. He's completely obsessed with her. She needs that in order to sort of feel good about herself, but also to get away with the things she's getting away with. The thing that she didn't anticipate is that she would pull this and that he would go to the press. That he would turn it into a national story. Okay, I gotta pull away for that next one, but yeah, that right there, because I have a theory of what it was all about. We'll really? that, right? All right. So next right, episode will be part two. We will get into all of that. We will get into the actual, how long she was missing. We will get into what happened during the days that she was gone. We will get back to, uh, when she was found and what she said when she was found and actually where she is today. Um, ladies, that was amazing. Thank you so much oh, yeah, for thank you. your yeah. hard work and your research <laughs> on this. And um, thank you everybody for listening. Of course, we're going to put a subscribe button at the end of this subscribe. If you like, we are, uh, we are on a new channel called, um, podster and and it's a new uh a whole new sort of format with these crime shows and i'm super excited thank you for your support and ladies i will see you next time all right bye bye Bye, ladies bye